Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams shares week three of the series, GATA, which stands for To Get After Them Aggressively. In this message, Brandon explains that oftentimes we are conditioned to our sin and we can no longer see how great the chasm is between God and us. We must realize we can't work our way to God, but it only comes from our trust and obedience to Jesus Christ. Good morning. How's everybody? Good. Good, good, good. Hey, uh, real quick, we're going we're gonna to jump into um, Acts chapter 8 here in just a second. But I just want to take a minute and, and just say what an incredible time I had yesterday um, at the service day. Um, man, we, we did over 900 hours in the community. That's incredible. Um, our group uh, worked with some awesome guys. Uh, we put in about 10 hours, actually. We got done about 7.30 last night, but every minute of it, man, we enjoyed it. We took about a 15-minute lunch, and other than that, we were roofing a lady's house. Uh, she was in her 80s, um, and, and her roof just leaked really bad, but it was so awesome to know that when we left there, she didn't have to worry about water anymore getting in her house, and so it's absolutely awesome. And uh, I especially want to recognize right now that there, there are two guys on our staff who really, really, really busted it to make that happen, and that's Brian Bulmer and Don Baldwin. I, I, we, need to, we need to thank them. They, uh, I don't know how many hours, they may have put 900 hours in by themselves um, getting this thing ready, but they really worked hard, and all our staff just, and volunteers, man, you guys were absolutely incredible. Um, I had uh, the, the blessing of being with some really good friends yesterday, some new people that I got to know better. Um, I was so blessed. Last night I tweeted that, um, you know, I was so blessed to have uh, our, our worship pastor, Sean Fox, and our worship leader, Greg Manns, who, who stayed with us until the job was finished, man. And I was like, man, how awesome is it to have people around you every day that are doing that? And then after I tweeted, I realized that they didn't have a vehicle. And so they really didn't have any choice. And I was like, well, I, you know, and I, but I'm going to choose to believe that, that they wanted to stay. And so I give, give them the benefit of the doubt. But it was a great opportunity for everyone who took part in that. And it was, it was incredible. Thank you so much. And um, I know that, that, that so many people were blessed yesterday. Um, also want to ask you one thing. If, if you have, have accepted Christ into your life, you have made him the savior of your life, and you have not been baptized... Listen, we want to encourage you to sign up at the Next Steps table. If you, if you are, are a follower of Christ, you've trusted him for your salvation, you have not been baptized, listen, your next step is baptism. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus taught. So sign up out there, and we'll let you know more information about getting baptized, okay? So if you're interested in that, just sign up at the Next Steps table, and uh, we'll be getting in touch with you. Today, we're going to continue the Gator series. Really excited about today. Um, we are, we're going to continue looking at how we get after them aggressively, right? How we, how we go after people and share the love of God with them, how we passionately pursue them. And, and we're going to, to start narrowing this down a little bit, because the last two weeks, if you've been here, um, we, we've sort of done a broad spectrum of looking at um, the church as a whole, and our call as a church to go after people and tell them about the gospel and, and give them the good news of Jesus. We're going to start narrowing this thing down a little bit to make it a little bit more personal today because the, real, the reality is, guys, listen, if we haven't had an encounter with Jesus ourselves, we will never be passionate, we'll never be intentional about sharing the gospel. And so we really are, are going to start diving in and looking at this in, from a personal perspective of what has God done in our life? Has God truly touched our hearts so that we have a desire to go out and to share the gospel with other people? If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Acts 8. You can turn to um, 8. We're going to begin in verse 9. 
And we'll read through verse 24, and then we'll jump in here. Acts 8, verse 9. It says, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the poor and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for today. Father, I pray that today you would awaken us to the reality of who you are and the reality of who we are and the great um, gulf, the great chasm, the, the divide that is between us apart from Christ, Lord. Have your way here now by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A, a couple of weeks ago, I do occasionally try to frequent uh, the gym. I try to go here and there and, and try to get in a quick workout. And I stress the word quick, um, as quick as I can get in and out, possibly. Um, and I went in, and I went into the locker room and I began to change uh, my clothes. I start getting ready and I opened up my gym bag and realized that I had not taken my clothes out from the day before. Nor had I put new clothes in for the gym. And so I thought, well, should I not work out? But if you're like me, like getting to the gym is the battle. Once you get there, you're all right. And so I decided I would just press on. I'd move on, you know. And so I get these old, old gym clothes out that I wore the day before. Thankfully, they are quick workouts, so they weren't too sweaty. But when I began to put them on, I had this startling realization. They stunk. I mean, bad. And I'm putting these clothes on, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Man, everybody is going to smell me. Everybody in the gym is going to know, like, this guy, he must not bathe. He must not have a washing machine, something, because I smelled that bad. You know, when you smell yourself, it's bad. And I smell myself. And so I'm getting dressed, and I'm like, oh, well, they'll have to just get over it. And, and so I'm getting dressed, and, and, and by the time I get dressed, by the time I, I get ready and walk out, I notice my clothes didn't stink anymore. Like the smell had miraculously disappeared. And the truth is, as you know, like my clothes didn't change. What happened? I got used to it. I, I got conditioned to the smell. And so I no longer noticed the smell. Now, everybody around me noticed the smell. 
but I no longer noticed the smell. And I was thinking about how easy it is for us to become conditioned to things, how easy it is in life for us just to get used to things, get used to habits, get used to different ways of living. And, and I thought about how applicable that thought is to our spiritual life. Because the thing that happens so many times is we just become conditioned to who we are. We, we, we become used to who, who we are and who we've become. And it's a dangerous trap. One, I really find people in one of two places. Listen, you probably will find yourself in one of these two places. If you don't think so right now, you might by the time we get done. The first place is this. It's people who have never realized who they are in comparison to who God is. In other words, it's people who have never had the revelation that God is high and exalted so far above us and who we are. His perfection is so much greater than our imperfection that there is a huge gap between us and God. It's the first people who have never come to the realization that there is no possible way I can get myself to God. The second people would be the, the, the people who, um, who they've just kind of become so comfortable in their salvation that they've just kind of settled in the a current condition, that their sin no longer has a stench in their nose, right? That, that, that we've kind of just been, become like this onion. This is the illustration I use uh, all the time, but it's like you become like this onion, that unless you peel the onion, it never makes you cry, Right? And so we become like that onion in which we're just kind of got this hard shell around our life. We haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and begin to pull layers off in a long time. And so that what happens is we begin to think that we're a little bit better than we actually are. Have you ever had God all of a sudden just pull a layer off of your life? Like you think you're doing really well and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, let me try this. And you're like, oh my gosh, what is that smell? Oh, it's me. And you just realize, like, God just removes a layer. I think one of the problems we have in churches is that some of us have come to Christ, but we quit surrendering daily to Christ. And so our lives have become like this unpeeled onion, and we don't realize our need for God. And whether you're in the place of being where, where you've never realized how righteous and holy and perfect God is and how imperfect we are compared to a holy God, or whether you are someone who's given your life to Christ and yet have not allowed the Holy Spirit to continue to remove layers and continue to dig deeper into your life, both, both of those are dangerous traps. They're dangerous traps because what begins to happen is we begin to lose our awe of who God is. We begin to, to lose our awe of how amazing, how magnificent, how beautiful, how holy, how perfect, how righteous God is. And we begin to think that we're better than we actually are. That we're better than we actually are. And what begins to happen is that gap in our mind, our perception is that gap begins to narrow. And all of a sudden, we begin to think, that perhaps, maybe, somehow, I can bridge that gap. And see, here's the truth, guys. We cannot bridge that gap. That gap is far too wide. God is far too holy, and we're far too imperfect. God is so far above us that that gap is huge. 
actually put this in a blog on Friday. And, and, and the reason I did is because I think it's a great illustration. And what I said was, if you walked up to the Grand Canyon, pretend you've never heard of the Grand Canyon, right? Pretend you've never seen the Grand Canyon, not even in a picture. And you walk up to the edge of the Grand Canyon and you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon with your toes hanging off the edge. That's just freaky, isn't it? To think about your toes. That that's, that's, freaks, weirds me out. But I hate heights. But it's like you're standing there, but there's such a dense fog that covers the entire canyon. I don't know if you've ever been in a dense fog and you're sitting there and you really can't see, but just feet in front of you and you think you can make out something. Like, like in front of you, but you can't really tell for sure if it's there. And maybe it's there, maybe it's not. And the fog is so dense as you're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. You're looking across and you think, I see the land. And it's only a few feet in front of me. And you think, I think I can make that. Now it would have to be like two feet in order for me to jump that. But, but you're thinking, I can, I can jump this. And you look, and the fog has covered the canyon floor. And it's covered it completely. And so you look at it, and you're like, you know what? Even if I don't make it, it's no big deal. Even if I don't get to the other side, it's no big deal. I mean, look, it's not that deep. So you back up, and you get a running start, and you, your foot hits the edge, and you jump with your best effort, and you jump with everything you've got. And what happens? You got a surprise. Because you're like, I should have hit something by now. But you didn't. Why? You underestimated the gap between you and the other side. And you underestimated the cost that you were going to have to pay for not making it to the other side. Unfortunately, that is, that is truly an eternal mistake. That many, many, many people make. We underestimate the distance between us and God. We underestimate how great He is, how small we are. We underestimate how perfect He is and how imperfect we are. And we think somehow I can get myself across. Some, there's got to be a way I can do it. And the reality is, people, there's not. And you know, one thing I realize is like the truth. The truth is, is hard sometimes. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. I found that out again this week. Last week, the, the, the monitor tore up. And I had no idea what time it was. And I'm just preaching, having me a good old time. And I'm like, well, it's probably about 12 o'clock. Let's, let's land this plane. We get done, come back here. I was like, well, we, did we finish up around 12? They're like, it's 1230. 1230? Yeah, 1230. I was like, well, it goes half the church. And then so I would ask people, I was like, man, was it, how was it that long? Did it seem really long? And I asked a friend of mine this week, and I won't call, well, it's, it was Tanya. And, and I asked her, and I said, hey, li- listen, was it really, really long? She was like, yes. It was really long. I was like, oh. And then like five seconds after she leaves, Brian walks in and he goes, you know, um, one thing I'm really good at is I'm able to take people's messages and take stuff out of them that doesn't need to be in there. If you'd like some help with that sometime, I'd be glad to help you. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh. And you know what? The truth wasn't comfortable and the truth didn't make me happy. But the thing that happened is after I got over the fact that I messed up, after I got over the fact that the truth was I went way too long, I started to have hope and I started to get excited because I realized I can get better. I can get better. 
And today I want you to hear the truth, but I also want you to hear the hope that's on the other side of it. I want you to hear the truth that, listen, we can't get ourselves to God. Impossible. And this is where Christianity is separated from every other religion in the world because every other religion says that you've got to work yourself to God. And the reality of it is we can't. How in the world can we work ourselves to a holy God? How do we think that in some way we could possibly buy God's favor with our behavior, that by by acting a certain way or doing certain things, we could somehow purchase the free gift of God? How? How do we ever think that? But many of us, I would dare say all of us in some way, at some point in time in our walk of faith, have tried to purchase the favor and blessing of God by things that we have done. And it seems crazy. We're like, I would never do that. I would, I would never do that. But listen, even in scripture, we have examples of it. Philip goes to Samaria. He preaches the gospel. This guy named Simon, he, 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 it says he believes the gospel. But listen, he comes to a point where he had been the big man on campus. He was a sorcerer. He did all this magic. He did all this stuff. And he comes to a point where finally um, Philip comes in. And listen, a greater power appeared. There's no greater power than God on the face of the earth. A greater power appeared. And Simon's like, oh, crap. He's like, I'm not the big man anymore. And so he actually goes up to the disciple. He goes up to Peter and he goes up to John. After they come in and pray for people, they receive the Holy Spirit into their lives. They see this manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And then Simon looks at him and he's like, hey, man, I'll give you some money if you'll give me that ability. Listen, I will give you some money. I will pay you top dollar if you'll give me the ability to lay my hands on people and then receive the Holy Spirit. That's the greatest trick I've ever seen. And what did Peter reply? I love Peter, man. Peter was, man, he was like, pow. He didn't care. He just smacked him in the mouth. He was like, may your money perish with you. The guy's like, what? may your money perish with you because it's obvious your heart's not right you're full of bitterness basically he says you're full of poison he says your your heart is in no way right with god and you're captive to sin but the bible tells us when we're in christ we're free sin no longer has a hold on us he's saying your heart's not right simon for you to even think that you could buy the free gift of god is, is is indication that your heart is in the wrong place And the thing I realize, folks, listen, there's a lot of times our hearts get in the wrong place because we try to buy the free gift of God, Jesus Christ. Does that sound crazy to anybody? That we would try to buy God's favor with our behavior, that we would would literally think, I can purchase God's favor by doing something. That seems crazy, don't you? I mean, we would look at Simon and go, you're an idiot, Simon. Do you really think you could purchase God's favor do you really think you could purchase the free gift of God? Do you really think there's anything that God really wants that you have? I mean, if there was something that, that he had, he could have made it. He spoke everything to existence in six days, and then was like, I'm going to take a nap. And it's like, seriously, Simon, you're, you're a nut. But the truth is, people, we do this all the time. We do it all the time. I do it all the time. Have you ever had this thought, maybe if I read my Bible a little more, God will bless me. You ever thought that? Maybe, maybe if I pray a little harder, 
God will, God will bless me. Maybe if I, if, I, if I work a little hard, listen, I think maybe if I read my Bible a little bit more, maybe God will bless my family. Maybe he'll bless me. Maybe, maybe God's free gift will reign in my life a little bit more because of what I've done. Maybe the church will be blessed because of what I've done. Maybe, just maybe, my children, they'll all grow up and live for God because of what I've done. And the reality is, guys, God cannot be bought. God is not persuaded by our gifts. We're persuaded by his gift, Jesus Christ. That's where the persuasion comes in when we realize how far apart from God we are and that God gave us a free gift in Christ. We receive that into our life. We trust him for our salvation and we're reunited and reconciled to a holy God. How about you? Listen, listen. Do you, do you ever try to earn God's favor? If I fall out of this stool, somebody pick me up. But do you ever really, seriously, do you ever try to earn God's favor? Do you ever try to buy God's favor with your behavior? Do you ever try to buy the free gift of God by something that you do, by trying a little harder? I believe this is the problem. Our American culture is, is, it has taught us, the, the American church culture has taught us that if we, if we can do enough, if we can look right, dress right, talk right, act right, then then God will love us. God doesn't need anything we have. He gave Jesus to us freely. Freely. But this is a little secret I'm going to let you in on. The church loves for us to think that we come to Christ through a works-based mentality. Why? Keeps you coming back. Right? If we can keep you feeling guilty, then you feel like I've got to go. If we can keep you feeling guilty, then maybe you'll write a check and drop it in the offering plate. If, if we can keep you guilty, maybe you'll join a connect group. See, I could have come in here today and been like, you know, we had a good turnout yesterday, but all y'all people that didn't come to the service day, man, you, you're terrible. And you know what? I could have probably said, we're going to do this again next week. And, and if you aren't here, by golly, you better be here. And you know what? Some people would have shown up who didn't come yesterday. But you know what? The motive would have been all kind of jacked up. The motive would have been all kind of screwed up. Because we don't operate out of guilt. We operate out of gratitude. We don't operate because we're trying to earn the favor of God. We operate because of what God has done for us and in us. We don't work towards God so that hopefully we can modify our behavior. God works in us and changes our heart. And from an overflow of our heart, we begin to live our life. That's how it works. Whenever we begin to try to do, do, do church and do religion and do things to try to get to God, all we become is frustrated. Anybody ever tried to do something over and over again and you never could do it? Yeah. All the time. Like diet, maybe. We, a few years ago, we took a, a youth group up to um, go skiing up in, I think it was in West Virginia. And I decided that I had mastered skiing all five times I've ever been. So I wanted to do something new. And so I decided I would get a snowboard. Anybody ever snowboarded in here? Yeah, that is slow suicide. I'm, I'm just telling you, <laughs> slow suicide. And I, I was always kind of good at picking things up quick. And so I was like, I'll get this. You know, I can do this. No, I couldn't. 
It was horrible. And it was one of those warm days that you only get when you ski on the East Coast where everything had turned to ice and then it was like warm, it's like 60 degrees, so we're in short sleeve shirts. By the time lunch got, got time rolled around, by the time it was, it was time for lunch, listen, I was scraped up, I was black and blue, and I was like, I've had enough. It, you know, I mean, I will jump off the mountain if I want to die. I'm not going to slowly kill myself on a snowboard. And so I go in, I turn all my stuff in, and I was like, it was something I could not do. No matter how hard I tried, I could not do it. When we try to bring ourselves to God, when we try to buy God's favor, when we try to do things to get to God, listen to me, we end up frustrated. We end up in a dead religion of works that cannot bring salvation, that cannot bring the joy of salvation. But when we walk in the abundance of God's grace and the free gift, the unmerited gift of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness and his mercy, and that begins to resonate in our heart and he begins to change our heart, then we can walk in the joy, the peace, the love, the patience, the grace of God. Y'all wait. And this is what God wants us to do. But see, here's the problem. I don't think we realize how many times we try to buy God's favor. I don't think we realize how much we actually try to work towards God's favor. Listen, let me run through a couple of them. How about this? How many, how many times have you ever seen somebody that will try to give their way to God? As if they can give and, and like God is going to um, say, okay, you can come in. If you had given $1 less, I don't know. But you get to the, 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 the gates there, you know. And they're like, check in. They're like, boy, you barely made it. Dollar fifty less. And <laughs> but it's crazy, isn't it? How we, we try all the time to buy God's favor. We think if we can give a little bit, if we can do this, if we can do that. You can't buy God. You know what that's like? Let me, let me ask you this. What, what, what is one, I don't know if we can call it a profession, but what, what, is, what is one job in which we go to somebody and we say, I'll pay you this money if you'll love me. I'll pay you this money if you'll make me feel good. I'll pay you this money if. Oldest profession in the world, isn't it? Prostitution. Did we really want to stand before a holy God having thought we could buy him? like a prostitute. That's insane to think that our money could possibly purchase the love of God. Impossible. How about this? Have anybody in here uh, ever thought, well, maybe if I could work a little harder, maybe I could do a little more. So you show up on Sunday and you serve and, and every, all 500 ministries in the church, you, all your life, you were like, I'm going to do it. 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 And all you got was tired and burnt out. And then the next time it rolled around, you're like, I don't want to go to that. And you realize like, I've spent more time at the church than I've spent at home. And all you are is frustrated. Why? You've, you've tried to do something you can't do. You're trying to earn your way to God. You're trying to work your way to a holy God, and it's absolutely impossible. We think in the South, we think, man, if I go to church once a week, if I, if I, if, if I read my Bible here and there, and here's what happened to some people. Listen, when, when, when you started out, you were in the Word because you loved God, and you're like, man, I can't wait to see what God's going to say to me today. I can't wait to get to church to worship the God who saved my life. 
I, I can't wait to get to the small group because, I mean, I, I get to share and I get to be in fellowship with other believers. I can't wait to, to, to be a part of, of serving. I can't wait. I can't wait. And you know what it's become now? A religious checklist. That if we don't do it, we feel guilty. So we'd rather do it than not feel, and not feel guilty. Become a religious checklist. That's not what God intended. God intended for us to walk in the joy of his salvation. That our relationship will be one of joy and one that he flows through us because we're connected to him in a loving relationship. And out of that relationship, we begin to manifest the fruit of the spirit, which is nothing but the character of God. And listen, we get to manifest the character of God. Not because we worked our way to him, but because he gave us a free gift of Christ, made us pure and put his Holy Spirit inside of us. That's the good news. How about this? You ever, you ever tried to get to God by living some moral code? We do that all the time. And I got so bad, I try to obey the speed limit. Like if I go 56, I'm going to hell. Oh my gosh. Go through a speed trap, pull over and get out and repent. We think if we can live some kind of moral life, like God will be pleased. He'll be more happy with us. He'll, he'll, he'll love us more. He'll, he'll, he'll shower us with more blessing because we live there. Listen, if anybody was ever going to be able to do that, it was the Jewish people. And it didn't work. They were way more disciplined than we are. I mean, most of them had to memorize the Old Testament. Anybody done that this week? No. I mean, they had memorized it. They knew it. And they, they, were, they were disciplined to make sure they never violated any law, anything. That, and it wasn't good enough. That's why when Jesus told his disciples, unless your, your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you can't enter heaven. They're like, well, what the heck are we going to do? But our, our works, our moral code, it can't get us to God. How about a social front? Anybody ever done that? Especially as a pastor, I feel that pressure. Like you go somewhere and you're like, am I dressed okay? I got over that one, right? Obviously. But, but you, you go and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe if I act like them, God will see me as one of them. Let me help you out. You don't want to be like us. You don't want to be like, listen, they're, whoever they are, they're just as screwed up as you are. Amen. Heck yeah. They're jacked up too. But one of the problems we have and one of the reasons we don't see this huge gap between us and God is that the only standard we've ever judged ourselves by is other flawed people. Listen, how many of us, how many of us, you feel bad about yourself so you find somebody more screwed up than you are? Right? We do that, and then we talk about them. Like, I can't believe how messed up they are. You believe that? Look at her hair. <laughs> you believe she wore that skirt? I can't believe that. That went out, like, last month. You know what I'm saying? And, and we talk, so, so somehow by making them feel lower, we feel higher. The problem is, people, we aren't judged based off of their standard. We're not even judged based off of our standard. We're going to be judged based off of his standard. His standard is perfection. His standard is perfection. And none of us measured up to that. A lot of times we'll try to rationalize our way to God. And you know what rationalization is? It is not accepting 
our own irresponsibility and trying to place it on something or someone else. Anybody, you, we've all done that. Well, it's okay for me to do this because God knows my heart. Yeah, he knows it and he knows it's messed up. It's okay. I mean, I can shack up with my girlfriend because we don't have sex and I'm the tooth fairy. Seriously, we rationalize it away. Well, we're really in love. So, that's not what scripture says. Now, let's just be real about it. That's not what the Bible teaches. And it's okay, right? It's a rationalization that we make. And we think somehow that makes us okay with God. God judges us from, the, from our heart. He doesn't judge us from outward appearances. He doesn't judge us by, by how, how well we can try to cover up other things so that other people think we're okay. That's not what he judges us by. How about this? So many times we hang our hat on the fact that one day a preacher told us if we didn't come to Christ, we were going to hell, right? And so what, what happened at the end of the service? Probably what's going to happen today. Somebody started playing the keyboard or a guitar. Dun, you know, sets the mood. And I believe in that. Listen, there's something, when those girls come up and start playing the keyboard, it's different. I believe God just, he just comes, he just does, I don't know. It's just, you know, so I, I believe that. I believe it helps to open up our heart. But listen, somebody did this. Somebody said, listen, if you don't want to go to hell, then this is what you need to do. You need to pray this prayer. Right? It's going, it'll happen. I mean, it's, we do that. Why? Because we want to give people an opportunity to trust Jesus as their Savior. But here's the thing that saves you is your trust in Jesus, not a prayer. You can pray all the prayers you want to pray, but until you come to a place of trusting Jesus as your Savior, accepting his perfection, not the perfection of of a prayer, like I said last week, I prayed the salvation prayer with a guy a, a week and a half ago. It was the most jacked up prayer I've ever prayed. But my prayer didn't save him. His prayer didn't save him. His trust in the perfection of Christ for his salvation is what saved him. A prayer cannot save you. How about this? We went to an event. And, and at that event, man, we got a goosebump. Oh, man. I know I'm saved. How do you know? I got a goosebump. I felt God. It probably wasn't God. The air probably came on. That's probably what it was. And so you're like, oh, no, it was, it was the air. See, goosebumps are not, that, that, that doesn't mean you're saved. Listen, an event does not make you saved. I go to high school football games and like almost 20 years after I play my last high school football game, when the team runs out on the field and everybody cheers and they're all going out there like, we're going to kill somebody. And, and I still get goosebumps. I'm like, oh. And my mind lies to my body and goes, you could still do that. (laughs) And there's no way. No way. I might make it one play. And I'll be like, I'll be like, come get me. Come get me. But, but, But we think that some events, some goosebumps, some emotional experience, emotional experiences do not save you. Trust and faith in the salvation of Christ saves you. Period. The only thing that saves you. See, here's the thing. Simon, Simon's problem, Simon's problem was not his behavior. Our problem is not our behavior. God's not after behavior modification. God's after 
us to change our heart. And here's the thing, we all realize, like, we do this. If you say you don't do this, man, we're just, we're going to flog you after the service because we all have these thoughts that maybe if I do a little more, maybe, maybe God will love me more. Maybe then God will forgive me. And the fact is that it's all, it's all works-based. And listen, our works and righteousness, can, they are, it's an oxymoron. They cannot exist together and never have, never will. Only the work of Christ makes us righteous. And so here's the question, guys. Like, what do we do? What do we do about this? Because the honest truth is, does God want to change our behavior? Yes. An emphatic yes, God wants to change our behavior. But he doesn't want to do it by working from the outside in. He wants to do it by working from the inside out. He wants to have our heart, not not some modification of behavior that's powerless. He wants to infuse us with his power so that our lives are altered, radically altered to be more like Jesus. So that he begins to work on our heart and we begin to see a change in our lives, not because of what we've done, but because of who he is and because who he is has been placed in us. And our heart becomes new and it becomes refreshed and we truly become a new creation. And God's righteousness, his character, his his fruit begins to work out of our lives. Listen to Jeremiah 31. I want to read verses 33 and 34 to you. This is Jeremiah hundreds of years before Christ. This is God speaking through him. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Listen, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. He says, I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their heart. Now let's flip over to Hebrews. You just stay where you're at. You stay where you're at. Hebrews chapter 8. Listen to this. Verse 10. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. By the way, we just fast forwarded a few hundred years. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. One more spot. 10 beginning in verse 16 it says this this is the covenant i will make with them after that time says the lord i will put my laws in their hearts and i will write them on their mind then he adds their sins and lawless acts i will remember no more did you think maybe god's trying to tell us something listen hundreds of years before christ jeremiah says listen God is not going to be worried with this outside legalistic life you're trying to live. He's going to come into you and he's going to change your heart. And from that heart change, you're going to begin to live. We flip forward over, I mean, hundreds of years. We flip forward and we get to the writer of Hebrews. And in chapter eight, he says, listen to me, people. Listen to me. I'm going to, he said, he's going to put his spirit in you. He's going to give you a new heart. He's going to write his law on your mind and in your heart. And out of this, you'll become obedient. And he's going to forgive your sins. We flip over two chapters and he says it again maybe the writer of hebrews is trying to get our attention to say this that thing that jeremiah said hundreds of years ago is happening now it's happening through jesus 
that God is coming in to change our hearts. And when we come into contact and we come into relationship and we open up our hearts and Christ becomes our savior and we actually begin to look to him and we begin to trust in him for our salvation, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and we are never the same again. And this is the thing that I would tell you. If you say you met Christ and there's never been a change in your heart, we need to revisit that. And I told you, sometimes the truth is difficult and sometimes the truth is hard and sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. But the truth is, when we meet Christ, we change. The truth is that only by Jesus bridging the gap between us and God, by only by Jesus taking us up to where God is, not like we can bring God down to us. He already did that one time when Jesus came to us. Now God says through Jesus Christ, I'm going to take you to where I am. I'm going to seat you in heavenly places. I'm going to forgive your sins. Does he want our lives to change? Yes. Does he want to forgive us of our sins? Yes. But not because of what we did, because of what he did. Does he want us to have changed lives that resemble him, that look like him? Yes. Emphatic, yes. But because of what he did, not because of what we do. Because we trusted in him in our, for our salvation. We trusted in him as our savior. And because he's come in and began to just rearrange our, our lives. Listen, 11 years ago, I ran face into, I mean, it's like, bam. My life's been different, man. I, perfect, no. But when we encounter Christ, he changes our heart. When our eyes are awakened to who he is, when we finally see that chasm, that gulf, that, that divide that's between us and God. And we say, God, I need your salvation. I need, there's no way I can do this on my own. And God changes our heart. He comes, he bridges the gap and we come into the presence of God made saints, not because of what we did, because listen, behaviorally, morally, we're still a sinner, but in God's view, in God's eyes, because of Jesus, we have a new identity. We come into his presence, he begins to change our heart and we begin to be, become more like Christ. But we can't get that backwards. We cannot get that backwards. So what do you, what do, you do with this? Like, what are you gonna do with it? Seriously. I'd say first, look at your life. How are you trying to earn it instead of receiving it? How are, how, I mean, you're trying to give your way to God. The second thing I would do, listen, I would, I, would, I would make a decision that I'm going to trust in the abundance of God's grace. I'm going to look to him and trust him to change me rather than me trying to change me so that I can get to him. How would it change your life if instead of, of rending our hearts, instead of just, or, or instead of just, just rend, say we're going to change our lives, like we're going to do this moralistic thing, we actually rent our hearts. We actually opened our hearts and said, God, here it is, all the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm tired of putting on a show. You come in, change my life. In the Old Testament, when something happened, people would mourn, they'd have remorse. They would tear their garments and they would rend their garments. It was this outward show of, oh, I'm so sad. They throw dust on their head. And they mourn and they grieve and, 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 they, and they go through this big show. In the book of Joel, Joel says this. He says, listen, people, rend your hearts, not your garments. And what I would say to you today is it's time that you and I rend our hearts, not our garments. How would it change your marriage if you actually opened your heart up and God began to change you? Because most likely the problem in your marriage is not your spouse, it's you. How would it change your relationship with your children? 
If we really opened our hearts and, and we rent our hearts and God began to move in our hearts rather than us trying to look like godly parents because we've got the sticker with all the different children on our car. What, what would it look like in all of our relationships if, 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 we, if we truly opened our heart to God and let him begin to change us? Let me ask you this. What would it look like as the church if instead of, of going after some religiosity, we actually went after Christ? What would it look like across the world? We were singing this morning. We were singing these songs to God. And I'm like, this is so awesome because not only are we singing in here, but there are people around the world at the same time singing praises to God. What would it look like if as a church, as a whole body, not the little church connection church, as a whole body of people who say we trust in Jesus, we actually opened our heart and he rent our heart. We begin to be changed and we truly pursued Christ rather than pursuing a dead religious act. And we truly came to a place where we trusted in Christ for our salvation. And God began to change our hearts. The only way we'll ever manifest the glory of God in our lives is when we surrender and we open our heart. We say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm giving all I have to you. All I am, all I have, everything is yours. Change my heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't take your presence from me, God. And and, and renew this this joy of salvation. See, I know there are people in here right now that that you've been in church all your life. It's one of two things. Either you just prayed a prayer and it's been about that all your life or you started out good and somehow you got off track and it became about what you do, not who you are in Christ. It became about what you do, not who he is. So you're living out of this workspace mentality. What I would say to you today is don't waste your life on that. Listen, the gap is far too wide. It's far too deep. If we think for a moment that we can jump hard enough, run fast enough, do enough to get to the other side, then we have eternally, eternally underestimated the distance between us and God and the price we're going to have to pay for that jump. Here's the deal to us today. Some of us need one to renew, renew that relationship. Because it's become about words. It's become about, it's become about what we do. Some of you today, maybe for the first time you realize like, I'm so messed up. There's no way I could stand before a holy God. And you know this morning that God is drawing you to himself. You feel it, you know it in your heart that God is drawing you to himself. And today you can trust in him to bridge that gap. You can ask him to change your heart to work on you from the inside out. And from this day forward, every morning your feet hit the floor, you trust in him. Every night when your head hits a pillow, you trust in him. And it becomes a relationship built off of trust, not off of works. Do you really want to stand before God? Do you 
really want to stand before God based off of your record? I know I don't. And so I trust in Christ. This is what I want to ask you. Eyes open, heads up. You would say today that you're in one of those two categories. This takes guts. I know, th- I know this takes guts. But today, you would say either I need to be renewed with Christ. I, need, I have taken my eyes. I have taken my eyes off of Christ. And it's become about a workspace religion that has left me dead on the inside. I'm just tired. Or today for the first time you've realized I can't bridge the gap. I've got to trust in Jesus for my salvation. If you're in one of those two places this morning, that's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to, I want to ask you right now to stand up right where you are. You'll be honest enough to admit that I'm in one of those two places. Listen, everybody's here. We're the body of Christ. If we can't do that in this place, then, then something's wrong. If we can't be ministered to in this place, something's wrong. And listen, 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 listen. All this time, all this, throughout this entire series, we've been talking about this. You can't just be prompted by God. You've got to respond. Being prompted isn't enough. When God prompts, respond. Just do what he says. That's what happens when God is on the inside. He prompts and we respond. And this is what I would ask you. Some of you I know are being prompted but you haven't stood. Just stand up. I promise you push through the awkwardness and you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Thank you. Just be honest with God. Open, open your heart to him today. Allow him to change your life. And this is a, the next thing I want to say. Amen. If this is the first time you made that decision today, to trust him with your salvation, I just want right now to stick your hand in the air. We want to celebrate. If there's somebody here, this is a first time thing for you. Would you raise your hand? If you're still sitting down and you know it's, amen. Amen. I believe some of you, you may still be sitting down and, and you didn't stand up, but you need to raise your hand. Will you stick it in the air? If you're here, stick it up high where I can see. All right. I'm going to ask you, brother, will you, will one of our prayer members, Mr. Frank, will you go pray him? And help him, because let's celebrate that. That's awesome. Amen. Praise God. Listen, listen, listen. Two people today have crossed over from death to life in Christ. The gap has been bridged for them. They are new creatures in Christ. And God is going to change their, their entire life, their entire eternity. That is awesome. Let's pray. I want to pray for those who are standing and pray for you guys.